Welcome to the Wellbeing Career World podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with herbalist, energy medicine educator, and trauma-informed breathwork facilitator with a mission to educate and empower others to be their own best healers by reconnecting with the innate intelligence of their body along with Mother Nature, reminding others that they get to choose what is best for them. Her approach is a mind-body-spirit one, which uses the power of the plants, mindfulness, and breathwork to assist in reconnecting you back to your body. And on today's podcast, we'll be chatting about autoimmune disease. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Amy Stein. How are you today, Amy? Hi, David. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm good. Where are you right now on planet Earth? So I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island. And so it's been three weeks of 100 degrees. Oh, wow. Very humid. Okay. So my brain is a little fried. <laughs> no worries. So I, I know mean, you guys have been having a heat wave in Europe as well, too. Yeah, no, it's really... Um, for Ireland, this is weird. It's, I mean, obviously, if I say it's weird, I'm going to have all the conspiracy theorists out saying that I'm saying this global warming or an environmental issue. I'm just saying it's it's very hot, unusually hot at the moment. That's all I'll say, just in case I get a backlash. Um, so I gave a little bit of information about your background. So can you let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So my journey really started 12 years ago. I was a medical researcher at a big university here and I was working with chronic pain patients and I started to resemble my chronic pain patients. And I didn't know what that was about. And I didn't understand why this was happening. We were trying to teach them how to use other modalities besides medication to deal with their chronic pain and chronic illness. And so my whole childhood, I was labeled highly sensitive. You know, I was always too sensitive. I was told to always have a thicker skin, that I, I had too many symptoms. I was always complaining. I didn't feel good. So I was always told that basically everything I was feeling was too much. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm just picking up what my patients are feeling. Maybe I'm just sensing that because I'm advocating for them because geriatric population is a population that's generally, it's not seen, not heard, not believed, right? They're kind of like a forgotten generation. And so I was advocating for my patients with their doctors to try to get them more assistance to be heard, you know, in a way that the doctors would understand where they were coming from, because I was seeing them on a, on a frequent basis, more so than the doctor typically. And I had worked with these doctors and these patients for years. So it got to the point where a lot of symptoms that I had as a child came back pronounced and they were more frequent and I couldn't deny them any longer. So I was blacking out at my desk, migraines pretty much every day. I was having dizzy spells where I felt like I couldn't drive and I had to drive to different clinics to see my patients. So it was kind of important that I had to be able to drive. And I was having a lot of body pain, a lot of inflammation, but I didn't know what was going on. And I, I kind of didn't want to deal with it. I felt like I didn't have time to deal with it. Right. Like I couldn't, I couldn't handle what was going on. And I was always taught that if there was something wrong, you went to the doctor, you know, and they would fix you, they would yeah. address it. And I thought, well, I should be able to figure this out because I, I, I work in the medical field, you know, and I, I'm around all these people of chronic pain. The issue was that, especially, you know, in Western societies, there's a disconnect between the brain and the body. So we think we can fix everything with the mind, right? So if I try hard enough, I do all these things, then my body will just have to respond. It'll have to, you know, fall in line. And we're taught that the symptoms the body is given is because it's broken. We're not taught that the body is designed to heal, that it has an innate intelligence, that if we listen to the symptoms from the body, they're just messages. And so this was all ideas that were foreign to me. I didn't understand them. I was trying to teach similar ideas to my to my patients, but I didn't really believe it because to me, I was brought up that you had to see it to believe that something existed. Right. So this idea of everything being energy and all, it was foreign. I didn't get it. And I, you know, and it was, it came across because I, I would, my patients would say, I'm doing all the things I'm doing the meditations. I'm doing the Tai Chi. I'm doing the yoga, but I still need to take, you know, all these opiates. I still need to take my inflammation medications because I'm still suffering. And I would wonder, well, what are you doing wrong? Right. I would never say that to them, 
but I would think to my head, like, well, they must not be doing it. They must be telling me they're doing it because they don't want me to get mad, but they must not be doing it. And so the universe dealt me the hand to see what it's like to be a chronically ill patient. And the scary part was, even though I was not a geriatric age, right? I was in my late twenties. I was not seen, heard, or believed by the doctors. The same doctors I had worked with for years, I went to first to see if they could figure out what was going on. And they weren't listening to me. And that's when it started to hit me like, oh, this is, this is what they were going through. This is what my patients were experiencing. And it was really frustrating. It was really scary because at that point, my body had been sending me messages that were very loud and I was not acknowledging them. And it got to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't leave the bathroom. You know, my GI symptoms were under, not under control. I wasn't able to leave the house. I couldn't drive in the car for long periods of time. Like if I was in the car more than 20 minutes, it was excruciating, painful. I had, I wasn't sleeping and I had debilitating fatigue. I had where I was breaking bones for no reason. And this, a lot of this had started while I was still working. And I thought, this is really weird. Like what is going on? And I started going to the doctors and they really couldn't tell me what was happening. Everyone just said it was stress. Oh, you're just really stressed. Oh, you should just go see a therapist. Oh, we could give you some antidepressants. And I said, no, there's something going on. Like I'm, I was walking on the sidewalk in flats and I broke my foot. Like That's not normal. No, there's something going on. And it was nope, right. Nope. It's fine. You're distressed. You know, you need to learn how to manage your stress better. And I thought, no, there's something, there's something not right here. Right. But again, I was taught that you go to the doctor, they fix you because the body is broken and it needs to be fixed by the doctor. So I was compliant. And at that point, my labs were showing things, but they weren't showing, I didn't fit into the box completely. So again, the doctors didn't know what to do with me because I fit into seven different boxes, but not all of them completely. So they, they didn't know what to call me. They didn't know what to do with me. They could see that there were things going on, but they, their recommendation was always medication. And that didn't sit well with me because from a young age, I did not respond well to medication. I always had like the 1% side effects. And so I didn't want to go that route, but I was told if I did not go that route, I, it would get worse. I would die. If I didn't take the medication, you're going to die. So, you know, you don't want to die, right? So you're going to listen to the doctor. And I was taught, you listen to the doctor. The doctor went to medical school. They know better than you. So it set me up with this really unhealthy paradigm in that I kept going to doctors. Again, so I live in New York, so I don't live in a rural area. I live in a very, you know, urban area with lots of doctors. And I would go to all these top specialists in their fields and no one knew what to do with me. And when I would ask questions, they didn't like that because I wasn't compliant if I was, if I was questioning something. And so even though I was taking the medication and I wasn't getting better, anything I was getting worse, they labeled me as a difficult patient because I would ask questions of why was this happening? What other tests can we run? Can I make any changes to my diet to, you know, any of these things? Is there anything I Cause you feel like you have no control. And your world is just spinning out of control. And for someone who's a control freak, that's extremely scary. (laughs) So, you know, like every time you go to a doctor and I I remember this distinctly, like praying, hoping that this will be the doctor that's going to fix me. This is going to the doctor that's going to have the right diagnoses and and the protocol that they suggest is going to work. So this went on for about four years. And I went through 40 different specialists, all top field doctors who had been referred to me by either people I had worked with or people, other doctors I had worked for, and no one could put it together. Everyone called me something different. I did not respond well to any of the protocols they put me on. And it got to the point where I thought this just isn't working. I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want to be someone's guinea pig. It's I'm not getting better. I'm getting worse. Not, I don't have any improvement. I've lost so many friends. I don't have any quality of life. 
you know, it's just, it's a very demoralizing way to live. And my story, unfortunately, is not unique. There are a lot of people who are living this right now. It's just not talked about because autoimmune disease is a disease that doesn't always manifest in a physical way, right? In an outward appearance way. So there would be some people that would look at me and couldn't believe that I didn't feel good. They didn't understand it. And that was, I was the same way when I was working with my own patients, I didn't understand it because I wasn't living it myself, but there were times where, you know, I had double casts on for months at a time. Cause I would break both feet, just walking in the backyard. There were, t- you know, times I was 85 pounds. I couldn't gain weight back for years because I couldn't, I couldn't absorb my food. I couldn't digest my food and nothing. I couldn't eat anything without getting a severe reaction. So the doctor's knew something was going on, but no one wanted to talk to each other. No one wanted to try to go outward of what they understood, what they had been taught in medical school. And because I did not respond to the protocols as past patients had, it kind of like bothered them. You know, it was like an ego thing. Like, oh, why aren't you responding? You must not be compliant. We don't want to deal with you type of thing. So let me shuffle you along to somebody else, right? Let me make you somebody else's problem. And they were always annoyed when I would question things and I say, you know, I did this research, I read this book and the question would come up. Can I, you know, do you think we can look into this? No, I don't have time to do that. I went to medical school. This is what's best. And so I was not seen, heard, or believed again. And as this was going on, all of those tendencies of being a highly sensitive person and being empathic escalated to the point where I could no longer go out in public because the fluorescent lights were giving me migraines or causing worse vertigo or the electromagnetic frequencies were giving me migraines and giving me like a sensation of vibration in my whole body. Or I could predict the weather. I knew exactly when it was going to rain. I could tell you pretty much down to the day and hour when it was going to rain. And my husband was joking that you're better than the meteorologist. Like, you know, exactly when it's going to come. I'm like, yep. Cause I can feel it in my body. And when I was, yeah, like when I was little, I would understand there were certain people I didn't want to be around, but I didn't know why that was. And so as I was doing more research again, because I had the research background, so I couldn't turn it off and being type A, I had to figure it out. I had, a, I needed a name. I needed something that was going to work. I needed my life back and I was desperate. So I started doing all research and trying to find all these things. I read all these functional doctors books. I, this is when summits were first happening about 12 years ago, you know, so these functional doctors would put on summits. And I, the first one I listened to was Amy Myers. She's based in Austin, Texas. And so I just basically went to the library and I got out every book of any doctor that was on that summit that had written a book, or I signed up for their newsletter. And I just kept absorbing information, anything that was free and available that I could do, I was doing it. And so I was discovering a lot of different things. I was discovering the connection with mold and being in sick buildings and how that makes you sick. And I was discovering the connection with that, the mold and the electromagnetic frequencies play off each other, right? So if you're in a house or an area that has high electromagnetic frequencies and you're in a sick building, you're going to feel it more if you're this highly sensitive population group. So we're kind of the canaries in the coal mines in that we experience all of these things first. And and we're all labeled crazy. There's something wrong with you. Go see a psychiatrist. Here's the medication, right? No one looks into it. Why is this happening to, to this population? Why is this happening to these people that they do the protocols, it doesn't work? At that point, you know, even now, like doctors in medical school do not get nutritional training. So when I would question, should I change my diet? Are there foods I should eliminate? No, it's fine. But I wasn't, I was still eating inflammatory foods. So those were all changes I made on my own. I just didn't tell the doctors. I just said, I'm just going to make these changes and I'm going to see myself if I feel better. So it was about four years in that I, four or five years. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I was seeing a doctor who was supposed to be more integrative and, you know, doing a holistic approach. And it was the same thing all over again. It was a combative relationship. He wasn't listening to me. He wasn't believing what I was telling him. 
I was doing all the things and I was getting sicker. And I, it came to the point where I, I sat my family down and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And everyone was like, well, what does that mean? I said, I just can't live like this. There's, this is not a way to live. You know, I have no quality of life. I, I don't feel good every single day. I feel like, you know, a Mack truck hit me and then some, I have all these symptoms. I've done all the things that the doctors told me to do and it didn't work. And at that point, there was not a functional doctor that I could get in with in where I lived because I was sick of trekking into New York city. It, it took two hours each way just to get there. Then you're at the doctor for another two hours. Like it's a whole day. It's exhausting. And so I was trying to find somebody closer to where I lived. And at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot of functional doctors. It wasn't, it wasn't as big as it is now. And so I finally got in with that doctor and, you know, you have a briefcase of lab work. It's thousands of pages of all the tests you've done, blood work, MRIs, you know, the MS evals, everything. And she looked through everything prior. And I remember she just, she just sat there and looked at me and she just said, I'm really sorry. And I thought, oh, she can't help me either another doctor like added to the list, right. Of someone else can't help me. And then she said, I'm really sorry that you've been failed by the medical system. And I remember just crying because I was seen, I was heard and believed for the first time, you know, that this had been going on in five years. And I just remember saying to her, like, thank you for believing me. And she said, of course, I believe you. I could see it. I could see it in all the labs that you've had done. I could see it in all of the things that you've done that didn't work, right? So it was it was this kind of turning point moment to have someone on my side, to have someone that didn't feel threatened by me saying, I'm going to go home and do my own research and I'll let you know if that protocol is going to you know, work for me. And it was this light at the end of the tunnel of me starting to take my power back inch by inch by inch. And not giving it away to somebody else to fix me, to begin to think maybe I could fix myself, which is a novel concept, right? Like, oh, you can't fix yourself. You didn't go to medical school. What do you know? Yeah. But you can fix yourself. Your body is designed to heal. We're just not taught that, right? Because there's no money in that. (laughs) You don't need the doctor. So, (laughs) you know, nobody wants to tell you that. It's a big secret. (laughs) So that led me... So that led me to like, right before I started, right before I got in with her, I had started dabbling in plant medicine. So I started fermenting my own food. I started making my own kombucha and I was doing it one, because it was cheaper for me to do it myself, but two, I could also control a lot more aspects. Right. And it was like the scientist in me. Oh, let me, let me see what I can make in my own kitchen. Right. So I started doing those things. And then my gram had recently passed away and I was really close to her And I grew up gardening with her and with my parents. So they found this book of hers. My dad was like, hey, we found this book. It's about plant medicine, using plants to heal. Do you think you want to look at it? And something told me, this little voice said, you want that book. And so my dad brought it over and I went through it. And it was nice because my gram had like written in it. So I got to see her handwriting. And it was fascinating to me that all of these plants that I already had planted on the property that were already growing, many of them weeds that people label weeds, had healing powers. And I thought, well, what if I try to incorporate some of these plants into my diet or into, you know, make my own herbal products, my, you know, tinctures and infused oils and herbal bombs and things like that. And my husband was like, you're crazy. Like you can't even get up to make dinner. And now you want to do this other thing. I'm like, yeah, I think there's something to this. And then the universe was like, yep, there is. And after that, I got emails about, you know, do this free herbalism training, learn more about the power of the plants, check out this herbalism book that was just released through the library. Right. So it started sending me all of these, this direction of plant medicine. And I was fascinated. Like I, it was just so interesting to me that all of these plants had all these healing properties. And I thought, why didn't I know this before? I don't understand. Like, why is this not talked about? Because the system has been around for 5,000 years of plant medicine. You can look to traditional Chinese medicine, to Ayurveda, 
to indigenous medicine. Like people use plants for thousands of years because it worked, not because it was a novel concept. <laughs> it's because it worked, right? Yeah. So I thought there's something here. Like even though I don't understand it fully, and there's a lot to learn, and there's you know it can be very complicated. It's but you can simplify a lot of it. And again, it's what resonates with you. So I was already a gardener. So using the plants resonated with me. I had a lot of them already growing on my property. And I thought, what's the harm in it? I'll just play around with it and see what happens. And it was, again, cheaper for me to do it. And I could control a lot of the, you know, I, I knew I was doing it in a way that was proper. And I was following the formats in the books and, you know, all of that. So it made me feel better. Okay, I'm seeking a little more control back. I'm empowering myself a little bit more by continuing to educate myself. And lo and behold, I started to get a little bit better. Was it a miraculous recovery? No, it wasn't because I was still missing that spirit piece. So I was now reconnecting the mind and the body, but I was still missing that spirit aspect. And a lot of times when we are sick, we focus on the physical illness, right? Or we're labeled with a mental illness. You're depressed. You have anxiety you know, again, it's always this message of you're broken. You need to be fixed. It's never a message of you can, you can fix it by doing these things, right? It's always just take the medication and when it gets worse, we'll get back to you. Yeah. And plant medicine was different. And it was like, no, you can balance these symptoms using the plants. Yeah. You may not get relief right away, but it's working at that root cause on an energetic level. So again, I'm like, oh, there's that, that energy term again. I don't understand that. Right. Cause again, I can't see it. So I don't believe it just like that spirit aspect of it. I wasn't really as religious or spiritual. So I didn't understand it. What does this mean? I don't get this. And even though I'd been practicing yoga for 20 years, I wasn't doing it for the spiritual aspect. I was doing it for the community. I was doing it to stay in shape. Right. But I had this great teacher and she's still in my life. And I'm, I'm blessed for that. And I remember she would take time after class and talk to me because she could see how much I was struggling. And she saw how all the things I was doing and all the effort I was putting in, but it was like, I would get so far and then I would either plateau or I would regress. And that was the worst because then you're like, oh, what did I do? Because we, we think like, oh, a little bit is working. Let's do more. And then we push the body past where it wants to be because again, we're not mindful of the messages, right? So we're like, oh no, no, this worked. Let me do this 75 times more. It doesn't work like that. So she said to me, you know, I think the idea of surrender, you, you may want to change the way that you think of that because to me, surrender meant giving up, right? That I'm quitting. And I was taught we're not quitters. We don't quit at things. We, we see them through And I felt like if I quit, that meant that I just wanted to die, that I wasn't going to fight for my life anymore. And she said, what if you thought about it as asking for help? And I thought, okay, but who am I asking for help from? And she said, you know, something bigger than you. Well, what does that mean? Right? So all these books talked about these ideas and I had read them, but I didn't understand them. And then I thought, well, I could kind of relate that to the plants. Because this is all created by something bigger than me. I didn't create the birds or the butterflies or the the flowers. Yeah, I might have planted them, but I didn't, you know, something bigger than me created them. Something bigger than me nurtured them. So that was when I started to, to have this idea of, oh, maybe surrender doesn't need to be a dirty word. Maybe I could come into this idea of there's something bigger than me, even though I don't see it, there are ways that I can visualize it in in ways that has an effect. And maybe this idea, maybe that missing puzzle piece that I'm looking for, but it took me a few years to get there because again, you can't, you know, you're not going to change your thought pattern that quickly. It's not going to be that radical of a shift for some people. Maybe I'm not that person, right? So I have to do it my way. And then when it doesn't work, then I'll look for another solution. Can I, can I ask, Go ahead. With all your business to the doctors, how much did it cost? Or what was the cost involved? I, to be honest with you, it, I, it was, I could not add it all up 
because it got to a point where I was so disgusted with how much money we were spending. And so it's in like the hundreds of thousands. Wow. You know, there were protocols my parents paid for. It was all out of pocket because in the States, there is no, you know, things are not, (laughs) there's out of network and in network and all the good doctors, quote unquote, are out of network. All the specialists are out of network. So you pay out of pocket. And we had really good health insurance through my husband, but it didn't matter because it reaches a point where the insurance doesn't want to pay anymore, right? If you don't have a diagnosis and no one wants to agree in your diagnosis, they're not going to pay for this care. They're not going to pay for these things. So, you know, I had a full-time job of getting better, but a full-time job of fighting the insurance company fighting to get seen by the doctors. And that adds an additional layer of stress to the body. So you're not going to heal because you're, you're fighting still, right? You're in this resistance mentality of fighting to get my life back, fighting for a diagnosis, fighting to be seen, to be heard, to believe for something to work, for something to fit a name that's going to, you know, resonate with me. That's going to make me feel better. And so I completely understand with the people that are in that struggle right now, that they're still on that merry-go-round of what else am I supposed to do? You know, like, I don't, I don't know what else I can do. I've done all the things because I was there. I did all the things and then some, and it still wasn't working. So it then led me to, after I've been doing the plant medicine for a few years and I had done some protocols and it it wasn't working. And then I found another protocol that was working and they kept talking about energy medicine. And I thought, well, what is that now? And then I was introduced to Donna Eden and she has a daily routine of, you know, you can clean up your energy. So you can't create or destroy energy, but you can change it. So you can change the frequency of your thoughts. You can change the frequency of the environment you live in, right? So we had already EMF proof the house we had already remediated the mold, but there was still this negative oppressive energy from me being sick, from not being believed by my own family, that there was something wrong, not being believed by the doctors. Right. So it's like this, this dark energy that just stays over you and stays inside your body. And no one talks then no one was talking about trauma. Right. So trauma is something that it's now been talked about the past few years is becoming more popular. But when you have childhood trauma or trauma we've had the past few years living through a worldwide pandemic, if the trauma is not processed properly by the body, so the body is designed to handle trauma and process it. The problem is we get in the way. We think we know better. We don't want to feel our feelings. We don't want to feel the sensations. So we just push them down. We don't verbalize them. And it gets to the point where we either erupt or we just don't talk about it, right? Everything is pushed under the rug until there's this huge pile and you're tripping over it. So this whole idea of not talking about your feelings, not saying what you need, not having your needs met creates stuck energy in the body, which can lead to disease. Stress causes stuck energy in the body. And it can lead to disease. So there, you know, there's the stressor. The trauma is the effect from the stressor. So you and I could have the same exact experience. You could not be affected by it at all. And I could. And I don't process it properly. My body doesn't run the right processing. And it gets stuck in my body and it creates illness. So if you watch an animal when they're stressed you know, they're, they're very tightly coiled. They might be shaking. They might be vibrating, right? Cause there's a lot of stress hormones running through their body. It affects all systems in the body, but they'll shake it off after that stressor has passed. That's their body's way of processing the trauma. We don't do that as humans. We hold it all in or we use distraction methods, right? So we might binge watch Netflix. We might become an alcoholic or a drug addict. We might buy things we don't need. We might distract ourselves, you know, just, just as a way of survival. It's all survival techniques. We form these protectors in order to keep ourselves safe. But what we don't realize is that 
a lot of these protectors are maladaptive and they create issues in the body, which can lead to illness. So this was all ideas that no one was, none of my medical professionals were talking about. It was all things I had to discover on my own. And so the more I did this research about energy medicine and trauma and rewiring the brain and neuroplasticity and all these ideas, I thought, why is nobody talking about this to me? Why, why is this being kept a secret? Why do I have to keep doing all of the work still? So again, I did my research. I got out the books. I kept exploring what worked for me, what felt good to me. I crafted a routine that would help every day me start my body, move my body in a way. And I started to listen to my body's messages. So rather than pushing through or ignoring them, I started asking my body, what does this mean? What does this sensation in my right knee mean? What are you trying to tell me? And a lot of times when you're first doing this, right, you have no idea. <laughs> like you, there is no answer. You don't know what the message means. You're just frustrated. You just don't know what else to do. And why am, why am I, I thought I was past this, right? I thought that I got through all this. I thought I worked through these symptoms. Why are they back? So Dr. Kim Duramo is a big energy medicine practitioner. She's um, healed her own autoimmune disease as well. And so she talks about how the resistance the, the mind's resistance to the body's signals is what keeps us stuck in these, in these trauma pathways, in these trauma loops, in these autoimmune symptom roller coasters. And when we can stop and be curious about what's happening and say, what is right about this that I'm not getting? What's the message I'm missing here? And again, in the beginning, you're like, there is no message. I don't understand it. I don't hear anything. But the more that you do the practice, the more that you're open to the process that the body is running, the more that you respect the intelligence of the body, the more you'll be able to discover the connections between your symptoms and the imbalances you're still having in your body. So this is still something I do every single day. I mean, I'm not fully 100% healed. I'm still, you know, it's been a hundred degrees for three weeks like, with humidity. <laughs> That's not great for people with autoimmune. You know, yeah. I live on an Island. It is humid all of the time. Right. <laughs> so like, these are things I have to contend with on a daily basis. So it's a practice and it's a reminder that it might get worse before it gets better, but I still don't give up. I still persevere because I know I've, I've achieved so much. I know that I've done so much without the doctors, without, you know, without the support of so many people. I've done it because we all have that capacity to be able to heal ourselves. We all have the capacity to have a connection with the body. It's just, we're not taught that. So that then led me to doing the trauma-informed breathwork facilitator training because I had been doing breathwork for years because I could not meditate. It never, I was never able to drop in. You know, everyone had these glorious experiences and I thought I can't do that. It doesn't work for me like that. And it was when I realized through, again, my research that people have had traumatic childhood, the body, it's a safety mechanism will not let you drop into that space because if you remember something and you don't have the skills to heal that trauma, you may re-traumatize yourself. So I thought, well, I don't want to re-traumatize myself again. I've already re-traumatized myself by telling the stories over and over again, by not being believed, seen, or heard all over again. So I don't want to do that this time. So something kept telling me, my intuition, which had been very small, but had grown through the process of healing, through the process of reconnecting with my body. And something kept telling me, you need to do this training. And I thought, I don't want to do another training. I've done so many trainings. I have so many trainings that I still haven't finished. And I don't want to do another training. It's really expensive. There's a big time commitment. I don't think I want to do it. And I kept pushing it off and it kept coming up. Nope, you're going to do this training. It's, and it was like, this, this is what you need to do. And so I signed up for it. And, you know, they promise you 
when you sign up for certain trainings, you know, they'll tell you all the things that can happen when you complete this training. And I thought, this is just all marketing. Like, this is not going to happen. And it was rough for me because I thought I had worked through a lot of my trauma doing all the things I did on my own. But what I didn't realize until I was in this training is you cannot heal by yourself. You need to trust somebody to hold that safe space for you, to allow you to heal. Because trying to do it yourself, you're still in a stressful state and your body's like, nope, you're not ready. We're not going to fully heal because you're not letting the process unfold the way it needs to. You're still trying to control it. You're still trying to make it right or make it the way you think it's meant to be. And the body doesn't work like that. The body has its own way of doing things. And so it took me halfway through the training. So it was a six month training for me to trust my mentor to hold me in this space, to trust her for the first time in 35 years of this life, to trust somebody to keep me safe because I could not do that. I didn't trust myself to be in my body because it didn't feel safe. I didn't trust someone else to keep me safe because I had been let down my whole life with that. And so that was when the turning point was. So then all of the other protocols, research, changes I had made caught up so quickly because I was in my body for the first time in 35 years. So I could do the healing and I was allowing someone else to hold the space for me. I was allowing my body to do what it was designed to do. And it was, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I was like, this is crazy. This is what it feels like to not have anxiety every day. This is what it feels like to not have a debilitating migraine every day. Like, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't remember what it's like to not have this because I've had it my whole life. And then to have the privilege to be able to hold other people who are struggling so that I, because again, I still do the work every day. I still have my mentor who holds the space for me, even though I've been out of the program for months, I continue to do my own work because if I didn't, I would not be able to hold the space for others. And healing is not a linear journey. It's filled with ups and downs. It's filled with lots of roller coasters. And sometimes it can feel like a merry-go-round that you just want to get off. But I'm here to tell you that there are things that you can do. There are ways that you can allow your body to heal. And there are people out there who understand the struggle and what it's like. Can, Can I ask Amy, okay? How, right, two questions generally. How did your family feel when they found out eventually your diagnosis? So for a long time, you've obviously been having these symptoms. You're telling everybody you're not well, whether it be your family, friends, doctors. And eventually it's probably a case of they're like, oh, here we go again. You know, uh, constant problems constant issues how did your family feel because i'm sure there's other people out there that are having a similar story that you're having and they're probably telling their family and they're probably Mm -hmm. if, if you could go back in time what could you tell your family now you don't try to get it. What could you tell them maybe differently that they might yeah. understand or they might believe, especially that this might be helpful for somebody younger now that's going through the, the same symptoms? So unfortunately, um, yeah, I was not believed by my own family. I wasn't believed by my husband for years. You know, it took us going to Johns Hopkins for him to believe that there was something wrong. Right. So Unfortunately, there are some people that they're just never going to believe you. They're going to constantly compare how their life is so much worse than yours. You know, how they have so much more stress, their struggles, all that. There's always going to be people that are doing that, just human nature. It's important to find people that are truly going to support you and listen to you. So for me, those people, so it it was my two closest friends. They saw me through all of it. So they saw me you know, as a young adult struggling, they saw me when I got sick, they, and that they're still close to me now, those two people, I could call them and say, I'm having a really bad day, week, month. I don't want to do this anymore. And they would just listen. They didn't try to fix it. 
there was no comparison. So I was really fortunate to have them. And I also had two girlfriends who had done a suicide and hotline prevention uh, job with me. So they had this skill set. That's, that's what it is, is we don't have the skill set to handle these things. And I was supposed to have it working with chronic pain patients and I didn't even have it, but I had this, the best thing that you can say to somebody, cause you know, I thought of all the ways to try to explain it to my family and friends when I was going through it. Right. Oh, it feels like I have the flu 24 seven. Oh, it feels, you know, like, and to try to get them to understand. And it took more energy to do that because they, they weren't going to understand unless they've been through it themselves. They're not going to understand. But if you can find somebody, if that's an online support group, if that's a hotline, if that's, if you're fortunate enough to have a doctor who listens to you and works with you, like I have now, if you can find somebody who's just going to listen, they're not going to try to fix it. They're just going to listen and they're going to believe you no matter what that's invaluable. You need somebody like that. And that's what I'm trying to do to provide for other people is to be that person that no matter what their experience is, I believe them. I see them and I hear them. And I think there are other people like me out there that, ha that have been through this experience. It was hell and back, but now we can hold this space for other people who are, who are going through it. And it might take some time to find that person. And it, it might not be easy. I'm not saying that it will be, right? But you can also be that person for yourself. And that's what I didn't understand. So I kept fighting my body, fighting to fix it. It wasn't broken. It's still not broken. It's always been on my side. It's always been trying to help me. I just wasn't listening. So I think the more important point is that to listen to yourself, to grow that little voice that you've quieted for a long time and let it talk to you and let it tell you the wisdom that it has, because that little voice is the voice that will never lead you astray. That big voice that's really loud that comes from your head, that voice will get you in trouble a lot of the time. <laughs> but the little voice that we've had since we were born, right? Some people say it's your soul, your intuition, it's your soul, whatever you believe you know, it could be your inner child, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it doesn't make a difference. It's that voice, that inner knowing that will lead you out of the hole, you know, cause I thought I hit rock bottom a few times and it'd be like, Oh, nope, not there yet. Still gotta go a little <laughs> bit further down. Okay. Am I a rock bottom yet? Right. So it's like, you know, I make, I made humor out of a lot of it because that's how I had to get through it. Cause you either laugh or you cry. And I couldn't cry anymore about this. Right. I just couldn't, I had no more energy to put towards tears. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just, I could not feel sad anymore. I had shut that off because I felt like I I've just been stuck in this sadness for so long. And I'm, I've been mourning my life for so many years, but when we allow our feelings to be felt, we feel them a lot quicker than if we stifle them and push them down. And we don't do that. You know, we hold our breath. We don't take full breaths. If you could incorporate a few changes, take the small steps, celebrate the small wins, believe in yourself and remember that you get to choose what's best for you. You're the one living in your body. You know what feels good and what doesn't. You know, if something feels right to you and something doesn't, and rather than giving your power away to somebody who wears a lab coat or someone who thinks that they know better, maybe remember that you have that, you know, better. Can I, can I ask Amy, your, mm -hmm. your diagnosis with regards to, and I'll go back to the family again and a husband, your husband, but when when they found out has that made your relationship stronger and no no okay <laughs> no <laughs> right so it, you know it's no no the reason i ask is because to make this as realistic and relatable as possible so here you are 
And this is not a criticism of your family or your husband or anybody else, but here you are going mm-hmm. through all this for a long time. And you've then, fi- you've then found out you've been diagnosed, what the problem is and the issue is. And you've been through all that stress with your family, the ones you love. I was just wondering, you know, how they felt knowing now your diagnosis. Are they, are they upset about it because they didn't understand or maybe believe you? How is it now? I mean, I think it's, it's hard for me to talk for them because we don't really talk about it because they, they don't really understand why I did it the way I did it. Right. It's hard for them to admit that I fixed myself without the doctors. So, cause it's foreign to them. Like what, why would you do that? Why would you not listen to the doctor anymore? So they can see that I'm better, but at times to me, it feels like they think it's just, you know, Oh, it just got better. It just resolved itself. It wasn't the amount of time I put into it. It wasn't all of the things that I did. It wasn't all of the work I did on myself. And it's interesting because my husband has now been suffering the past two years uh, from autoimmune like symptoms. And you would think, you would think that he, because he witnessed it firsthand, that he would listen to my suggestions, but he doesn't, (laughs) he just (laughs) doesn't, you know, it's just, it's really interesting. So someone had said to me, and I didn't understand, because I used to get really upset. Like, how, how could you not see that I did all this work? You know, like, I don't understand perfect strangers listen to me. They do the things I suggest they get better. You know, I mean, I see my family struggling with things. I make suggestions and it's like, I don't know what I'm talking about is, is the, the response that I get. So it's, um, it's challenging when the people that you live with that are closest to you don't respect the experience that you've been through, or it feels like that to you, right? I really can't speak for them because we don't really talk about it because it's not, to me, I feel like we're in such different places with it, right? So my mom was there. She took me all the doctor's appointments. She, She was heartbroken that no one could fix me and figure it out. And she wanted to feel like she could fix it and she couldn't. And my dad was the same way. And my husband just could not deal with it. Like he just didn't, he could not deal with his wife I mean, I literally was sick as soon as we got married. Like I moved into this house. It had mold in it. I immediately got sick from it. Um, He didn't believe me that there was a house. And, uh, you know, so for him, he's an engineer. So it's very black and white. So there is no gray. And unfortunately, autoimmune lives in the gray. Like There is a lot of gray there because it's not it's not the same for every person. Like I know a bunch of people who suffer from autoimmune. We all have different experiences. We all have different symptoms. We all deal with it in different ways, right? Some of it's work, some of it hasn't, you know, again, it's personal preference, personal choice. I think for the people around you that are closest to you, for them, it's a feeling of helplessness. They feel like they can't do anything. So they don't know what to do. And they don't want to do the wrong thing. So I think for a lot of times that that was, I felt like I wasn't being helped, but it was because they didn't know how to help me. Right. And so now for them, they see that I'm better, but I think maybe in the back of their minds, they're thinking, well, what, what happens if she gets worse again? What, what do we do then? Right. So it's still that feeling of helplessness, I think is, is what tends to keep them in this, this place where I feel like we can't, we can't see eye to eye on, on my journey. Can I ask, and, do, do you feel disappointed by this? I'm listening to you and you're very, you seem a very positive person. Now, just been listening to your story now for the last, just under an hour, but I, I, I mean, you, you, you're calling, and this is the same again, no disrespect to any of your family or, or your husband, but you seem very positive because you've been through all of this and you're still calling your husband your husband and it, you're, you're, you're yeah. speaking. In a, in, <laughs> no, but you understand, I mean, you're speaking in, in a very, still a very positive manner. And I mean, mentally, I don't know how I would have coping if I was going through similar problems and symptoms that you had and have and 
still coming out with this positive mindset. So, you know, how is it? I understand you're you're, you're mentioning different techniques, but is that just built into you as a person? Absolutely not. No, it's it's literally all of the years of work I had to do around this. And that, like I said, I still do around it. So there's still a part of me that is really resentful. I'm not going to lie. Like there, I still have resentment, but if I live in that place, I'm going to get sick again because it's a negative toxic energy. Right. And because now I understand energy medicine and how it works and all these things I'm choosing, I'm choosing to live my life on my terms. I'm choosing to make peace with this situation, even though it's not the way I want it to be, it's, it will never be the way I want it to be. Right. It has to be okay for me to keep moving forward because if I choose to be stuck in that place, which I was stuck in for years, I will not get better. I will not be able to hold space for other people's healing. I will, I will become sick again. Because that toxic energy will pull me down back into that disease state, back into that negative toxic state. So as, you know, as, as hard as it is to, and, and I do a monthly, you know, release and forgiveness with the full moon, which is tomorrow for me, it, it's a constant practice. That's what I'm, as much as it sounds like it's it's really hard, I'm not going to say it's not hard, right? But it it can be simple. The idea of I'm choosing what's best for me. They get to choose what's best for them. That's their choice. It's their life. That's that's what they've come here to do. I don't want to waste my time being in that negative, toxic place. Relieve, like I wouldn't be able to tell this story if I didn't do work around it. So just long story short, I tried. So for years, people were like, you need to write your story down in a book, right? And I, and I, I love writing. And I, I thought, I'm not ready to do that. It's still too fresh because it happened to me, right? It was 12 years of my life. So last year, I started writing it. And it was horrific. I was constantly traumatized by telling my own story because I could not believe what I was writing actually happened to me. And all of the things and all of the people and all, you know, all of it. I thought this is a nightmare and I live this and I'm, I'm alive. Like I've made it this far and I've, I've dealt with a lot of stuff and I've done a lot of work around it, but I was still really traumatized by it. And that was what led me to doing that trauma informed training, because I thought there's still something here. There's still an attachment to this. There's still some crunchiness. There's still some yuck right around this idea. And I can't, I can't help other people and I can't continue on my own healing journey being stuck in this place where I'm still activated by it, where I'm still reactive to these things, where I'm still triggered by these events. And again, I'm not going to say that I'm not triggered. I saw my parents yesterday. I was absolutely triggered by them, by things that they said. I'm triggered by my husband on a daily basis, but I, it's not a constant 24 seven anymore. There is less of a charge on it. And it's only from doing the work. That's the only way that it happens. When you get back into the body, you allow the healing to happen without an agenda, without trying to control it. You just allow the process to unfold and trust that the body knows what it's doing. It took me 12 years to get here, right? This isn't an overnight story. I wish it could have been. I don't think it can though because there are lessons I had to learn. And the person I am today is a person I like a lot more than the person I was 12 years ago. You're, you're a very strong woman listening to you. And um, I respect, I do respect how open and honest you are. The, the one, the one thing I'd be interested in knowing is the doctors who misdiagnosed you are they aware of your diagnosis now? And if so, no. have anybody yeah. come forward to say, we're sorry, or we should have listened more? No, no. And I hope that they, those doctors, there were many of them, 
have had time to see other patients like me and to realize it's not the patient's fault, right? That we live in a really toxic world. There's a lot of different variables that our body is constantly contending with. And the body was designed to only handle a certain amount. And we have reached that threshold and then some a long time ago. And so I'm just that, you know, the, the highly sensitive population, 20% of the population of the world, we are just that small segment that has been feeling it on multiple levels for years. But unfortunately, the rest of you are going to start feeling it and your body is probably already feeling it. You're just not aware of it because you're not tapped into the body the same way that that highly sensitive population is. But everybody has that trait that they can express it. They can become connected to the body. They can work with the body rather than against it. So I just hope that a lot of those doctors, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I'd ever want to see them again. I, it would still kind of be, even though I've done a lot of releasing work and forgiving work around it, it's still a wound that is not fully healed, right? The scab is still there and sometimes it comes off. And again, I'm human, right? So I'm not perfect. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on this and, and, tell my story. I need to be authentic. I'm not going to tell people, you know, it's all rainbows and magic because it's not, it's real life. And we all have experiences that we've had or will have that will change us. You know, mine just was a 12 year experience. (laughs) So I, I think it's really important to remember that you can't control other people's behavior, right? You can only control your own behavior and how you react to it. And that's been a really important lesson for me to learn. It's an important lesson I carry with me every single day because I still live out in the world and it's still, you know, it doesn't go my way. And I, you know, not everybody thinks the way I do. So I think it's really important to just trust that there, there are Go ahead. No, go on, go on, Amy, go on, continue. It just, just trust that, you know, there are changes that you can make to support your body in a way that, that can live a more balanced life, right? There are, there are things that you can do that are within your control. It's not all without your control. It's not, it's not all chaos all the time, right? You can still survive in a chaotic world and have an inner peace, but it's doing the work. It's choosing to do the work. I had to be desperate enough to choose to do the work. My message is I hope people are not, like they, they get to it before they're desperate, right? They, they make some of the changes before they're desperate because as, you know, I still deal with things I don't like. I still deal with a lot of things I, you know, I wish went another way, but I, I have this inner peace, with myself in some ways that I'll be okay. I've survived my life up into this far and I'm going to be okay. And I think that's important for people to remember, like in this moment, I'm okay. Right. So even though you heard the whole story and it may have been triggering, it may have been traumatic. I'm okay today because I've done the work and I continue to do the work because it's, it's what I needed to do. To get here, the ninety percent, Amy. I think you mentioned earlier on that you know you feel probably ninety percent better. But generally, when you wake up in the morning, is it a struggle to get moving? Is it a struggle to do certain tasks? I know you mentioned ninety percent better, but ninety percent of what? Of how bad you were feeling, or of of normality? Right. So. I no longer have daily migraines. I no longer have daily vertigo. I no longer have severe GI issues, but you know, we had three weeks of hundred degrees temperatures and humidity that did not make it easy for me to sleep. I did not wake up feeling good. I'm very swollen. So it's just, there is some unpredictability to what each day will bring. Right. Cause again, there's a lot of elements I cannot control. But knowing that I have tools to to use to enhance my healing and to rebalance my body brings me safety, brings me comfort in that when I didn't have those things, the world was a lot more chaotic. 
being in my body was a lot more chaotic. So I would just escape it because I didn't want to be in it. But now, you know, as I'm standing here, I'm like, I really, you know, my body is telling me it's time to take a break. Right. So like I can honor my body rather than trying to dismiss it. And that has been the biggest lesson is that my body knows better than my mind. The mind is just part of the body and we give it way too much credit. But when I listen to the intelligence of the body, my day goes a lot smoother, right? So like if I have a gut instinct about, I don't want to do that thing and I don't listen to it and I do the thing, it usually does not go very well. But if I have that gut instinct and I don't do the thing, my day usually goes a lot smoother. So it's just tapping into that, again, that, in, that intuition, that innate knowing that we all have, we all have the capacity to do that. We're just not taught to do it. We're not, it's not heralded as this important tool, but it really is. And I could tell you that from firsthand experience, like it really is because I still make that mistake of like, oh, so I think maybe I'm going to let my brain rule this one. And I'm like, nope, that was a bad decision. I should have went with my body. So again, it's a constant evolution. It's a constant, things are constantly changing. Things are constantly in flux. My healing is constantly changing. You know, there, there are things that are, that I can let go of in part of my routine. And there are parts of my routine that if I don't do them. I really feel, Oh, I, I, I really need to do that. Cause my body is not happy. So it's, it's getting to that point where you are the expert of your body because you've worked with it for so long and you can understand that it's telling you things for a reason, not, not to make your life difficult, not to stress you out more. It's, it's trying to help you. And so it's a mindset shift of, of being able to do kind of like a workaround, right? So to be curious about it rather than having judgment or shame or expectations around the body and what it's supposed to do, to be curious about why is this happening? What, what's right about this I'm not getting or what could I be doing differently, right? It's just, it's like a play, like play when we were kids, you know, you were really curious. Why did, why is the sky blue? Why does this happen? Why does this tree look like this? You know, it's kind of getting back to that to that childhood innocence and incorporating more play into your life, incorporating being outside more. I mean, that's a huge thing I advocate for is being outside more. So there are tools that you can bring in that can assist in the days that don't feel so great. Like today, you know, today's kind of a rough day for me. And even though the heat broke, it's still really humid. It's still 90, you know, it's not hundred, but it's still 90 and I'm still inflamed. I didn't sleep great last night and I'm battling a migraine, but I did all my things this morning to get me to a point where I could do this interview. Right. So it's also, I prioritize like what needs to be done today? What, what are the obligations I actually really need to do? Not all the 75 other things that I could do. What do I actually need to do? Okay. So I need to do this interview with David. And I need to feed mm-hmm. myself and I need to rest. That's yeah. all I'm going to do today. So it, it's having boundaries with yourself uh, uh, as well as the world around you. Your, your story, Amy, is very inspirational. I mean, for, for somebody to get in touch to like an organization or an individual or a group uh, and they want to have you to, to find out more information of, of your journey, I mean, how are you on social media? Are you, are you, what's, what's the plans yes. for the future? I know you're writing the book. I mean, when, when do you hope that will be released? When do you hope to really get out there know. to, to spread, spread the word? <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't want to put pressure on it. Like I said, I did start it last summer. I've gone back and forth with, you know, how I wanted to look and what I wanted to look like. I do have a Facebook page. It's called Amy, the amateur herbalist. And on that, I share a lot of these, you know, these little gems of insight that I've had throughout my journey. I also share recipes. I also share, you know, videos from the garden. Uh, People can DM me on there if they want to do a free 10 minute discovery call. I do do individual sessions one-on-one and we also do uh, 
I'm going to start doing some group breath work as well. So the one-on-one sessions, it's a half hour, just breath work, which will get you into your body so that you can enhance your intuition and open yourself up to all the possibilities that, that could exist that you may be blocking. Right. And then the, the hour sessions, we start with the half hour breath. And then the second half of the session is we address some of the issues that you may be having, right? Some of the imbalances, whether that's emotional, physical, mental, or spiritual. And I offer suggestions and invitations, but there is no do this. There is no formula. There is no, I think that this is what you need because I don't get to choose what's best for you. You get to choose what's best for you. And if anything, I would never want to tell somebody else that I know better than them because I don't. And I think that's important message. And, and again, like I said, in those sessions, I affirm to people that I see them, I hear them and I believe them because I think that's a really important message to have, to be that one person that no matter what you have to say, I see you, I hear you and I believe you. And Amy, are the sessions, the one-on-one sessions, are they virtually and in person or just in person? They're all virtual. Oh, no, they're virtual. all virtual. So that I can do it in a comfort my home, from my own home. <laughs> and, and then I can see more people, right? Because it's virtual. So yeah, it's all virtual. It's all through Zoom. And they can uh, check out, like if they want more information about that, they can DM me on Facebook. They can also check out my YouTube channel. I do foraging videos and I do updates of the garden. And I just offer suggestions of things that people can do to reconnect with Mother Nature and that higher intelligence that that exists all around us, right? We just have to be open to it. Well, it's been a brilliant chat, uh, Amy. Um, I'll put the information that you've mentioned regards to your Facebook page uh, as a link and uh, you can get in touch with Amy once the podcast has been released. So thanks very much to Amy Stein for chatting with me today on the Wellbeing and Career podcast. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for letting me share my story, David.